1: And welcome to episode 283 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy
0: in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors.
1: First of all, we would like to welcome and give a big TKMR thank you to our new sponsor, Nota, powered by m and Bank. Nota is banking built for lawyers and provides smart, no-cost IOLTA account management. Visit trustnota.com legal to learn more. That's
0: N-O-T-A, Nota. Terms and conditions may apply. And next, we'd like to thank Colonial Surety Company Bonds and Insurance for bringing you this podcast. Whatever court bonds you need, Get a quote and purchase online at ColonialSurety.com forward slash podcast.
1: And we'd like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more.
0: And with so many new podcasts announcing their very first podcast these days, and over the past year, how many millions of podcasts uh, have come out? We like to mention that at 15 years and counting, this is the longest continuously running legal tech podcast out there.
1: So in our last episode, we took a fresh look at APIs, the acronym for Application Programming Interfaces, and the world of opportunities APIs open up for us. In this episode, we return to an annual tradition of sharing what we learn from our annual visit to ABA Tech Show and see what lawyers are thinking about and doing with legal tech these days. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode?
0: Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be reflecting on ABA Tech Show 2021, both in itself and I think we'll also talk a little bit about as an example of how legal technology conferences have begun to evolve over the past year in the times of COVID. In our second segment, we're going to try out a new segment. We're calling it Hot or Not. We're going to talk today about whether online breakout rooms are going to survive COVID for conferences and take the place of those in-person hallway conversations And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, ABA Tech Show 2021 is in the books. Over the past year, we've seen the conference world really struggle. Uh, Major international technology conferences have canceled. Others have gone virtual but have not really captured the spirit of the in-person event. Um, It's been a tough time. Um, and, And then we come around to our annual tradition ABA Tech Show, a conference that, of course, is near and dear to both of our hearts, um, and I believe, I think, is the last conference either of us attended in person. So we thought we'd give you our review of the completely virtual ABA Tech Show 2021, how and or whether it has learned the lessons of virtual conferences that came before it, uh, and maybe when we'll be able to all meet face-to-face again. Uh, before we talk about twenty twenty one, Dennis, uh, care to share your memories of Tech Show twenty twenty?
1: Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody recently about this because I, I remember. Uh, a year or so ago at, at tech show where I was trying to decide whether to go. And I decided to take, I had uh, reservations on Amtrak. So I was taking the train rather than flying from Detroit to Chicago. And I think if I would have not taken the train, I might not have gone to tech show. Cause I, I just felt like we were half a step at best ahead of, of COVID at the time. So it was fun. And I remember, um, you know, like looking everywhere for hand sanitizer, which was in copious supply there. And I was also, this is pre-mask, but I was definitely thinking about it. So uh, kind of a really uh, interesting times. And it does feel, Tom, that uh, the things we, we did at Tech Show and what we learned there sure feel like way more than a year ago.
0: It really does. And you know, it's funny. I, I remember carrying a bottle of hand sanitizer in my pocket the whole time I was there. I remember v- being vaguely concerned, but ultimately not, not in the end, not all that concerned uh, about all of it. It's amazing now how, thinking back on that, how totally paranoid I would be to be in that situation these days, um, because we were kind of uh, right then thinking about, uh, not, not, really, not, not really understanding how... Uh, how much would change over the next uh, year. And uh, yep, it, it was a good time. We had a great time at Tech Show 2020. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it really is vast differences over the course of the year, obviously. And 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 I think that uh, Tech Show 21 kind of had the benefit of seeing what other conferences had done and some of the things that, that had worked and hadn't worked. And I think that of the, the sort of Extensive conferences that uh, I've tried to attend over the last year, I think that in a lot of ways, uh, Tech Show really did a nice job. And and part of the reason for that was they they kind of kept things fairly simple. And I think the the platform they used was was really stable uh, in a lot of ways, um, pretty easy to use, and, and it just worked really well. So instead of trying to figure out, um, and, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later in the podcast, but instead of trying to figure out like how to, you know, dress up your avatar and and walk it around and do these other things, it was like you know it was pretty straightforward. You know, go to the to video sessions, chat. Um, Those kinds of things. So I just like the fact it was straightforward, easy to navigate and um, just kind of kind of made it simple without, you know, trying to to go too far on new technology. So the
0: learning curve um, was really easy. And I consider that a big plus. I think all in all, it was a great event. Um, the, the things that really stood out to me were, I guess, what I would call the production values. The fact that the sessions would start seamlessly, that there were, were ads running that, that weren't too obtrusive, but that right before sessions started, you would see kind of like you'd used to see on a screen, the kind of a slideshow of things going through. Um, but uh, there was music in and out. There was fading in and out. It was like a real production I enjoyed that. I thought that was well done. Um, I liked that some of the sessions uh, were recorded. It wasn't immediately apparent that they were recorded, but but you could tell because the second thing that I liked about it, and I'm starting, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about this, but there's parts about it that I do like, is the chat feature in each one of the presentations. I think that, that there is a risk that people can go off the rails and say things, although the, the, the crowd will generally get unruly people under control, but Um, what I do like about the chat feature is, is that the speaker can interact with the attendees there. And especially when it's recorded, that was nice because the attendees were making comments while the speaker was talking in the recorded format. And the speaker was responding literally in time to the comments. And I think that made for a great interactive thing. Um, The amount of content, 105 sessions. I think that when I'm thinking about the number of sessions, it probably wasn't I think it was more than a usual tech show, but the number of tracks wasn't wasn't uh, tremendously different than before, but it seemed like so much content. Of course, it was spread out over five days. Um, and then I think the variety of speakers is one of the, We'll talk about that a little bit more later, but lots of new speakers, lots of people you haven't seen before, lots of, of, of friendly faces and old faces, but I think that they got a good mix of old and new, young and old, diversity, all of those things. I think that it just, um, I, I think that they hit a lot of of good notes were there any parts of the conference you know that there are still challenges with the online conference world were there any things that you felt didn't quite work well yeah
1: it'd be quibbles you know i would have liked we'll talk about this but i i would liked to seen the uh the meeting you know breakout meeting rooms better attended um there were some you know like a you know a few things just in navigation that weren't as intuitive as I would like. I actually thought the the way the quote unquote uh, exhibit hall worked that you could actually go to an exhibitor and maybe see their video and stuff uh, about their product and then set up. Uh, you know, like a one-on-one meeting. I, I really like that. You know, so you don't get, you know, the the swag bag. A little disappointing, you know, compared to in person. Uh, but you know, you can only do so much digitally. Um, so, so those sort of things, you know, that uh, to me they're they're quibbles. You know, because there are also many little things that uh, that I liked. And and one that I've talked to people about is I love the fact that when I attended a session. Or at the start of several sessions, and I wasn't sure which one I wanted to go to, I would just click into one and then I could click out of it and go to another one. Whereas if you're in, uh, you know, an in-person conference like that and you realize that you, you picked the wrong session or that you want to try something out, it it's difficult to, to stand up and walk out of a conference, and especially if it's a friend of yours speaking. You know, so awkward uh, to I say like to, the least. <laughs> just—I mean, absolutely awkward. So I like that. So I think that uh, you know, like I said, to me it's it's all quibbles. I like the fact that you know the on-demand uh, recordings were available really, really quickly. But in terms of you know almost almost everything, uh, uh, my criticisms are actually you know very small.
0: Well, I, ha- I think I have quibbles too. My major thing is not about tech show itself, but just conferences in general. And that I think that, that virtual conferences have been really damaging to vendors. and And my proof of that is, I didn't think once about going into a vendor vendor booth while I was attending the conference. It just didn't ever occur to me. While I'm on site, it occurs to me because I see people. I want to walk up and down, and it's part of the social activity. But while I'm sitting at my desk at my computer, it did not even occur to me. And I think that you know I I, I like what what Matt Homan and, and the groups a group at Filament is doing with their vendor value challenge. Um, I like trying to find new ways to bring values to uh, value to vendors at the virtual conferences, but I think that's really hard to do. And the fact that it was successful and they they seemed to, I I heard that that some of the um, vendors were reporting it was the best uh, number of, uh, of hits that they'd gotten of leads all year long. So there was something going right about that. My one quibble about the interface was that I could not search by tag. Every every session was tagged by a specific track, and I wanted to click on that tag and see everything that was tagged with it, and yet couldn't I couldn't do it. And it drove me crazy. I'm still a little uncertain about the solo f- speaker format as opposed to multiple speakers. I feel like solo speakers, no matter how dynamic you are, after I mean, I'm glad that most of the sessions were 30 minutes to 45 minutes, but what, the longer they go, um, there is a, a, something good about the energy between two speakers and passing off to each other. And then finally, I would say, um, and, and again, this is a quibble too, but whenever I would pop into certain sessions, there was a lot of overlap in, in in some of the content that I heard I kept hearing the same tools being recommended over and over and over again slack Trello zapier I love all those tools they're all great tools but I felt like there wasn't a lot of variety maybe I just didn't go to the right s- sessions and so don't tweet me and say there were lots of other things I get it um, but I felt like in, in, in a lot of the sessions that I visited um, I, I there was a lot of uh, a lot of the same tools being mentioned and maybe that's just because they're the best tools out there, but uh, other I would describe minus quibbles too. Yeah, I, and uh,
1: I was talking about the format before, but I, I you raised an important point that that I noticed too is that when you're uh, presenting online, I think you really have to give some thought to the online presentation techniques. And so, the, the slides plus talking head is, is a difficult thing, and, and in teaching, you think about this. A, a lot as as well, but there's definitely a thing where if you're a single speaker, that when you hit about it's it's pretty consistent about 20 to 25 minutes. It's there's a is visible loss of energy for most <laughs> most speakers, and. And it's good to to try to think, okay, so how could I do that? Could I put some polls in there? Because there's definitely a polling feature in this platform I didn't see used. I don't think I saw it used at all. Or is this a point where I do some kind of participation or the type of things that you do when you're speaking in person where you're just trying to say, Oh, can I do something where I get people to raise their hand just to so there's something happening or do I show a video, those kinds of things. So I think that that was uh, I, I saw that. And, and I think going I think having two speakers in an online presentation, if you're doing talking heads plus slides, that's helped because you got variety there. But I think. Probably in this format, you would want to give more thoughts to uh, some of those the online presentation techniques, just to kind of break it up a little bit and take advantage of the learnings that people have had over the the past year and even longer on on how to improve online presentations. But enough about the the meta about Tech Show. So what what do you think we uh, we learned at Tech Show or? Better to say, uh, I think we learn different things. So, what 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 are the things that you learn
0: <laughs> You know, we were talking about this before we started recording. At an average tech show, Dennis and I go to very few sessions. We spend more time. We pop in and out of a couple, but we spend more time um, catching up with people, networking, doing other things like that. And, and what's interesting is is that this year, the year of the virtual tech show, what I find interesting is, is that it was pretty much the same for me and. almost completely different for Dennis. And Dennis can talk about that more. But, you know, what I find is, is that when you're in person, when you're attending in person, you are making the commitment to being there. And, you know, I'm taking off from work. It is harder to take off from work if you are working. It is harder to take off from work when you are attending a virtual conference. I just can't say I'm taking off for the entire week so I can attend the virtual conference during these parts of the day. So I actually had work to do during the day. So I was really just popping in and out. I would have things going in the background while I was working on things or, or, or just, so I didn't pay as much attention as I really wanted to, but I would say that's almost an average year at tech far as far as the content that I saw. So what I really liked was I liked the branching out into new topics. Um, There were a lot of the standards. We had tracks on core concepts, on ethics, on cybersecurity, on marketing, on litigation. Those are standards. We see those a lot. But we had new ones. We had a whole track dedicated to collaboration. My gosh, I can't believe they're talking about collaboration these days. Innovation, uh, virtual and remote, which is particularly timely. So obviously, we've got to talk about being virtual and remote, future-proofing the practice and legal technology, automation I know you want to talk a lot some about that Dennis, a business plan boot camp and then, and then there were tracks that weren't directly related which I've been seeing Tech Show do a lot more of lately which are things like the diversity track there's a well-being track, there's a leadership track, not completely related to legal technology but not Divorced from it either. I mean, there 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 are connections to it. So I really that's one of the, the major things that I liked about it was there um, that the types of topics that got mentioned um, were some old, some new, and and some not completely related technology. But I think it all fit together pretty well.
1: Yeah. So I I did attend a lot of sessions, uh, which is unusual for me, as you, as you point out. But I saw a lot of great speakers, so in in a way, I was kind of scouting speakers uh, was part of what what I was doing, and it also gave me the chance in this video format to see some of my friends speak that I that I might not do in in person. Uh, so I like that. But um, so a couple of things I noticed, and I think there was uh, not surprisingly a strong interest and and uh, on COVID and the practicalities and what worked and what didn't work and how people have kind of uh, tried to survive that and that's the move to the cloud remote working all those kinds of things so I I think there was definitely a strong interest in anything that was kind of helping people figure out what worked and what didn't work as a a practical matter a lot of talk about automation and and in some different ways that I expected uh, but that was a surprisingly strong topic to me. So uh, a lot of conversation and uh, and information about that and those were well attended. Uh, the client focus and new business models, particular interest of mine, but um, I like the coverage of those. I had some of my research assistants go to Tech show and, and one of the things that they commented on, which is kind of the typical thing was like, oh, my God, they didn't realize like how many choices there were in a lot of these categories like document automation, like practice management. And how could they possibly sort that out? And then the last thing that I really liked was there were a lot of uh, newer, uh, diverse lawyers who are doing some very cool things and they're very open about sharing uh, exactly what they do, like what they use, how it works, how they're getting clients, and they're really kind of changing uh, the practice in some some very interesting ways. So there was a lot to learn in in those sessions, um, and a very generous group of speakers in in what they shared.
0: And to, to that point, here is something that I think is new to tech show, and as far as I'm concerned, it's new to most of the major legal technology conferences. And that is, um, we're used to seeing people who are recognized as experts on a topic. You know, this person is the best at Microsoft Office who's talking about something. Um, I think that this tech show represented by what you described there um, with young diverse lawyers doing cool things is, this tech show was about, here's what I'm doing in my practice and that is very different than what we're what we see at most legal technology conferences it's here's what i'm doing and you know what i wouldn't do some i wouldn't do everything that all these lawyers are doing that's what they do that's what works for them but that's what's great about it is you see all the different approaches that people are taking what's working for them and it allows you to pick and choose and say all right this works for me this doesn't work for me this fits my practice but it might not fit yours i like that approach because these people may not be the quote experts on a particular topic but they are experts in their practice they're experts of doing what they're what, what they need to do and i think that in a way that brings it makes it more real it makes it more actionable because it shows people who really may not have everything together, may, may need information to know that it can be done, that people just like them are getting it done and having it done, and it's not a hard thing. And I think that's one of the things that impressed me the most about the show this year.
1: Yeah, and I was going to say the, the, other, um, the other aspect is that these speakers were making the connection that too often missing when you talk about technology in the practice. So they really connected it yep. so that they were able to say, here's what I'm doing and this... These tools help me do this. This makes what I'm doing profitable. This allows me to to do flat fees. This allows me to do virtual. This, uh, you know, limited scope makes sense if I use technology and I can serve a different client base. And so they were making those connections all the time. And so it's not just... Where you say like, oh, I could tell the magic is not that, oh, they figured out a way to use Zapier or Teams or something. It's like they had put the business uh, together and they'd realized, given the stress that COVID had put on, how technology had to be part of what they were doing going forward. And it was like, you know, bringing that story together was one of the things that I really appreciated.
0: So let's fast forward. We've taken a look at at twenty twenty one. What does Tech Show twenty twenty two look like? What do conferences look like in a year? I
1: think that there's going to be a big push for in person, and I think that there is going to be a tend- It's going to be part of this notion that we need to go back to the way it was. Um, I really like the virtual format. Uh, I mean, I really like it. Um, and I would like to see conferences at least hybrid. And I think the concern I have about going in person is that if I were working somewhere and I had the option of going to a conference that was virtual and it cost like X dollars and or going in person where I was uh, definitely going to be away from the office and our travel costs and hotel costs and all these other things. And and the cost of it was thousands of dollars versus hundreds of dollars, I think it's gonna be hard to get employers to spring for that and to people, for people to pay money out of their own pocket. So I think there's an economic issue uh, about going in person that uh, would be interesting to see how it plays out. And I, I would love to see this hybrid thing where you can do you know, the, the breakout sessions, the on-demand, uh, all these things, um, as a virtual attendee or you could attend in person and and you would have like another menu of, of other things that you could do but I think the economics of just going back to in-person conferences is going to be a lot harder than what people think at this point so I don't, I don't know your thought Tom you you do a lot of thinking about conferences and
0: I'm not totally convinced that the economics are any going to be any different now than they were before. I mean, the people who weren't going because it was too expensive before are still not going to go. Um there may be other people. I think I think to me the real challenge is going to be how many people, and this is the same as going back to work, how many people are convinced that online is is okay and is doable and should be done and because of that I don't want to spend the money. I don't I, it is more expensive. Um, for me, I don't mind the virtual. I like the virtual just fine, but I miss the social. I want to be able to go out afterwards. I want to have a beer with you and talk about things in in a different, in a more social environment. Can't do that virtually. So where I really see and want this to go is, and and, and where I think the challenge is going to be is to do a truly hybrid format, to have it in person, but yet have people attend virtually we're going to have to use the technology. Right now, that's easy to do. I'm sitting in my house. I have a webcam set up and it's easy to do virtual because you don't have to worry about uh, other technology issues. But if you're sitting in a big ballroom wanting to talk to people and also broadcast to anybody virtually, that's two different audiences you're having to play to, and the technology choices become much more challenging. I, I want to see that work. I want to see how that happen, and I, so I want I want to, to have the best of both worlds. I want to have it in person, but I also want people to be able to join if possible because then that makes the on-demand possible, and you can you can then get, make it available to other people later on. This is something we've been trying to to do forever. We wanted to record sessions and and let other people know about Tech Show for forever, and now I think finally COVID has forced us to show that it is possible that we can do something like that. I just look forward to it. I think that if we're gonna make virtual continue continue to be successful, we have to solve two things. One, we still have to solve the vendor experience. It's just not where it needs to be. And then two, we're going to talk about this more in the next segment. I think there needs to be a better experience for socializing and talking to people than there is. I'm not. is. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the next se- section, but those are my two still need a lot of work before we get, we get better in those areas.
1: The other thing is, is I think, in the same way in virtual, you have to kind of up your game for the medium and match the medium. I think when we go back in person, um, it has to turn into a show. I mean, I don't want to, like, go in person, be in a crowded room. Uh, do all the travel and stuff and and then go to a, go to a presentation and has three people sitting down in a sort of dark room, you know, talking is, you know, all but reading off their slides and wonder why I paid several thousand dollars for this when I could have just been sitting it at home and viewing it on demand or viewing it live. So I, I think that in-person conference experience is going to going to have to change because there there is going to have to be like there has to be an entertainment and an education uh, component to make it worthwhile because because virtual is good enough in most cases and in some some ways it's better
0: all right texture 22 board dennis has laid down the stakes he set the stakes for next year's show we look forward to see what you do next year all right before we move on to our next segment let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors
1: Wish you could get a quote and purchase an appeal, trustee, estate, or any other court or fiduciary bond quickly online? Colonial Surety Company has every bond you need and is a direct insurer that's U.S. Treasury listed, licensed in all 50 states and territories, and rated A-excellent by A.M. Best, so you can be confident it's a trusted resource. Get started at ColonialSurety.com forward slash podcast.
0: You went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of NODA, a no-cost iOTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnoda.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. Looking for
1: a process server you can trust?
0: And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We wanted to try a new idea for the
1: segment. We're tentatively calling it hot or not. We'll pick something people are talking about um, and argue whether we think it's hot or not. We might agree, but odds are that we won't. And we want your feedback on the segment. So let's get started. Tom, breakout rooms at online conferences for spontaneous interactions.
0: I think the first choice for hot or not is hard for me because it's both hot and it's not, it's like lukewarm. It's, it's kind of in between there because I like the idea. This is what we're talking about. I want there to be more social interactions, but at the same time, and no offense tech show, but the breakout rooms you had great idea, Poor execution. Not your fault. It was just that nobody showed up. I mean, the one the one room that was great, and I unfortunately didn't get to go until the very last day, was the old-timers room. The, the people who've been to Tech Show a lot, that was the only room that appeared to have a lot of people in it at any one time. Now, there may have been others when I didn't see it, but but it wasn't well. Uh, the, the other rooms were generally not well attended. I think that breakout rooms are necessary. I think the place to have a conversation with one or more people is important. Um, that is supposed to take the place of the hallway conversation of the serendipitous meeting of people that you usually get to see. and And I think that that's important. What I still don't like about the format is when you are sitting in what's effectively a Zoom room with all staring at people. You are only able to have a conversation with one person and the whole room at the same time. That's why we talked about this on a previous podcast. I am a big fan of, and I and I think that there was a legal technology conference that uses recently and I just wasn't able to attend it I'm really a fan of the spatial audio services where you can effectively wander around a virtual room and you can only talk to the people that you're near and nobody else can hear you or better to say nobody else is bothered by you Um, is that you can actually have separate individual conversations and wander around a virtual room and talk to people. I really really like that idea. I'd like to be able to wander that room of tech show old timers and talk to and just have separate conversations because they were people I hadn't seen in a long time I wanted to do that so I would say very much potential to be hot but right now it's not yet so there's my take
1: so what you were mentioning I to me, was my Remo experience. So I, I went there and you kind of put at a table and you can talk to people at your table and then you can you can move around. It's still I, I think a lot of those avatar things are awkward because uh, figuring out how in Zoom is the same way. Zoom breakout room, like how do you leave a room without pretending that your your Internet went down or something? Um, so for me, I. I think the potential for me, this is a hot thing. I love these breakout rooms. I just think there's so much potential in a lot of things I'm on. There's so much fun. I meet all kinds of people and it's great, uh, you know, as as an alternative these days. Um, I think so. For me, it's great. The potential, I think, is is barely being tapped. Uh, But I think that People are, are saying, I just want to get back to, together. And so uh, I sometimes joke about this. A lot of people say, I can't, I can't wait to meet in person so I can start hugging people again. And uh, for, for somebody like me, that is like, oh, no. I, oh, this, is, this is one of the things I'm enjoying about now is I don't have people like all of a sudden come up to me and, and say, I'm a hugger and, and grab and grab me. But with that aside... So I, I think that the it's the potential there is interesting to me. So at tech show, uh, what some people did uh, was after they were done speaking, they said, "Hey, there's this conversation going in the chat. Why don't we meet in this breakout room and have a continuing conversation?" And what I what I like as opposed to that this spontaneous hallway conversation is the breakout rooms can be thematic, and so you could say. Um, this is a group who people were going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, legal education, you know, use of technology and legal education. Or I think there was one on baking or there was one on wine or something like that. So you instead of saying like, oh, I just chance run into somebody in the hallway, um, I actually might run into some people with a the, the similar interest. So it's like having you know, in person him in this table that has a, a tag on it that would say this at this table, we're going to talk about this topic. And so I think that um, it's there also. But I, I, you do run into the breakout room thing, which I've seen. And everybody says breakout rooms are at the same time there. People love them and they hate them. There's almost no middle ground. And You have to get familiar with them. So I think I'm, although personally to me, they're hot and there are a lot of potential. I think people want to move to in-person so much that they're probably not going to end up being hot. So now it's time for our, our parting shots. That one tip website or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away.
0: Okay, for my parting shot, I'd like to do a shout out to our friend Brett Burney and his Apps in Law podcast. Um, I'm listening, I'm a little behind on my episodes. I'm listening to a February episode where he talks with an IP lawyer about using Text Expander and Grammarly and Macros. Um, and, and it reminded me that, that Brett also has a YouTube video on, on using Text Expander. That this IP lawyer talks about using Text Expander in ways that I really hadn't thought about a lot. And so it started of, sort of got me energized again about using Text Expander. I just don't use it as much as I can. I have a few very sh- short, uh, very, very small use cases for it, but it started making me think of other things that I could be doing with Text Expander. Um, so these were two great things to look at. Um, I'll put the links in the show notes. But Brett Bernie's Apps and Law podcast is great in general. If you are a, an iPad user and you want to figure out how to make better use of it with uh, apps for lawyers. So mine
1: is, uh, is, is actually a really simple one and an inexpensive one. So a lot of people, including Tom, are like all, all in on the standing desk thing, and, and which I, I just don't like at all to, to work. But if you're doing videos and you're sitting, it's kind of hard to get good video results because you're sitting, especially for a long time. And um, it's kind of hard to get your eyes at the right position and and all of the all of these things. And and it's the same thing as sitting when you're on a, a panel in person. So you don't have the same energy as standing up. So I just found like an $80 lectern on uh, on Amazon. That's the sort of thing that, I think if you have like a starter church, it's sort of like what people use uh, before they, they get going. But it's kind of like, I just have this little lectern podium and, and I can mount a camera on a tripod and I can set things up and then uh, everything is there. And I'm I'm speaking, I can set a uh, like a, the online teleprompter I use at the right height and I can move around a little bit, but I'm standing and I have better energy. And as an inexpensive solution, like if you're not into the standing desk to to do your work, but you would like to stand while you're doing uh, video presentations. To me, it's like a really promising and for the price. It's a great experiment.
0: And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous shows along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always reach out to us on LinkedIn or Twitter, or you can leave us a voicemail. Remember, we're still wanting voicemails for our B segment. So if you've got a question or a comment, please leave that message at 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile.